0: Welcome to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology. Welcome back to Mike and Mike Theology Plus,
1: where theology
0: matters. That's right. Theology does matter. So we are in our, I think, last episode on Irresistible Grace, and if there's more, you're going to be doing them alone. (laughs) and uh so we want to take up some objections that some might have and we've already alluded to this passage quite a bit um not only in this series on irresistible grace but in the larger series on the doctrines of sovereign grace um, and that's john 12. and i have marked out 20 through 43 to read uh because I, I want us to get the context It turns out it's not the same context as, as john 6.
1: I would agree.
0: Yeah. Um, but it is the same word there. And even though John tells us why he says it, I, I think we have to deal with the objection and try to kind of get in to how um, the Arminian might view this. So want um, you want to read this one? Sure. Now, among those who went up to worship at
1: the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. For again Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the
0: glory that comes from God. All right, so um, a lot going on there. Uh, I have at the very start, Greeks, question mark? so i don't guess i've ever noticed that before i, mean, I you know this is the kind of the common testimony when you read the word and you read it again there's always things that pop out at you that you didn't oh how did i miss that in the past uh but some greeks go up to now i was wondering are these jews who happen to be greek or were they gentiles who are greek and they're there um I, i'm i'm not sure if we can tell from the context i i assume a straightforward that they were not jews because then john would say they were jews from a different country or something what you have any insight on that
1: well at this time you had the diaspora and a lot of the jews had become very hellenized
0: right which is why i wondered if that's what i was thinking about maybe these are people that are have come in for something i don't know
1: well I, i would my guess would be without studying it um that they would be Hellenized Jews okay. because it says that they came up to worship at the feast. So they seem to be coming to do Jewish things mm-hmm. um, and not simply be Gentiles who happen to be
0: where Jesus is. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Um, so, and he's telling them that uh, he has to die, basically. The, you know, talks about the grain of wheat that... Um, the seed no longer is a seed it becomes a plant it dies, but when it dies it can um, give fruit. Um, and then this this verse that often gets cited um, and I'm I'm in ASB so it's gonna be slightly different than what he read. And I if I think ESV is when, mm-hmm. uh, I am lifted up from the earth will draw all and you had all people, all people and I have all men to myself I, it's pretty. Um, you know, I think we can negotiate those two. So this draw is actually the same word that's used in six 44 and 37, I think were the two verses. But remember, we said that that was a compelling drawing, a drawing that would be irresistible, some might say. Mm -hmm. And so if what Jesus has in mind is that every single person, every individual, Um, then I think you'd have to conclude, if you're going to be true to Scripture, that everyone becomes a believer. Uh,
1: I don't know how to press it into service in a universalistic sense. I do understand how to press it into service to say, um, one, verse 33 has to be... I mean, you you can't read 32 without 33, because 33 says... Mm -hmm. This is why he said it. I mean, right. it, it immediately tells us the purpose. So we don't need to interpret it on our own without reading the God given scripture mm-hmm. of telling us
0: what the purpose is. Um, well, I think someone might push back and say, well, just because that's why he said it doesn't necessarily say what he said. They may say, he said that he's going to be lifted up, i.e., crucified. But they might say, but what he said is he's crucified so that all men will be drawn to him.
1: Well, and, okay, so moving on to that point, um, I don't understand how to press it into service universalistically, which is what I said a minute ago, because how was that drawing in effect for people in China in A.D. 30? let's just, Mm -hmm. for the sake of discussion, let's say that Christ died. Okay, on the day of Pentecost in China, how was that drawing occurring? Because, I mean, how how are we... Clearly, I think that Arminians would agree with us that there is no other name among heaven given among men by which we may be saved other than Christ. There's no way
0: to be saved apart from the gospel. So you're saying practically... There's no practical way that Christ's death, resurrection, death, burial, resurrection, get them in the right temporal order there, um, could have an immediate effect on people in other countries. Which also begs the question. Today, we still have people
1: who've never heard the gospel. Right. How are they drawn, according to this? How are
0: they drawn? Or the people? What about the people before Christ came? Uh,
1: I I don't disagree with that, but at the same time, I, I'm I'm trying to anticipate somebody who would say this is only speaking about drawing after the cross. I, I I don't disagree with you, but I'm I'm just trying to go with the most solid arguments I can.
0: Right, but I'm uh, well. Yeah, no, I would say well you know, in this role play here, if someone said, well, I'm just talking about at the time of Christ, then the question naturally comes in. Well, how are people saved before the time of Christ? Mm -hmm. And John six seems to to say that those people, all the people who come to him, the father has given to him and that he's going to raise them up on the last day. So I I think what we're showing, showing is there's this disconnect. I don't think you can, if you continue to say that this is every single person every single individual person you're going to run into conflicts and when you try to resolve one thing then you could okay well now it makes it you know out of line here and then you try to fix that it it could, I think there's this continual out of stepness when you try to make this all men may, mean every individual person right and i think in the
1: context He had Greeks and, you know, thinking through it again, were they Hellenized Jews or were they actually, I I don't know. I don't but they were definitely, but they they were were other.
0: Right. John makes a point to say, these are not your rank and file Jews. At least they were from a different place. They were from a different culture. Right.
1: Um, So in the context of others coming to seek Jesus, which by the way, I got to admit, Jesus answers them. With something that in my mind answers the question in no way whatsoever. I mean, it's like, it's not, <laughs> right. you know, um, my son comes to me and says, Hey, dad, can I have a sandwich? And I start pontificating about, you know, the makeup of CPUs and Dell compute like that. I don't get that connection <laughs> right. necessarily, right. but, um, I-, I think it becomes very natural for the all people there to mean all kinds of people. Right. And, and
0: I think that's a very... All people groups. Right. People from every tongue, tribe, nation.
1: Yeah, so I, <laughs> you got ahead of me. Come on, <laughs> that's mine.
0: Uh, uh, yeah,
1: so that definitely makes me think of Revelation, particularly Revelation 5 and then 7, where we see people from all over, all kinds of people, the mixed multitude uh, in Revelation 7, um, that hangs together very well for mm-hmm. me. And God is calling sovereignly and effectually people from all over, which interprets this verse, I think, mm-hmm. consistently with the ex- exclusivity mm-hmm. and the inability of man that John 6 also shows us.
0: So I think we can consistently say there is a compelling, dragging, pulling up out of the depths of a well type of drawing that the father's giving and in john 6 he's saying all those whom i draw this way they're going to make it through the cycle they're going to be raised up in the last day and in john
1: 12 he's saying and that group is going to be made up of all kinds of people
0: yeah it seems fairly straightforward we talked last time a long time ago um about the bald man fallacy mm-hmm. and uh this is a fallacy where we push language to be more exacting than it was ever meant to be by the author so the, and it gets the name bald man fallacy because someone could say man that guy's bald and you go no there are you know at, at least simpson isn't bald because he has three hairs right right or you know i'm not bald because well, there's actually probably hundreds of hairs up here but if you you know at least dozens at least dozens I was, you know, give me a little bit, okay, thousands, hundreds, of hair. hundreds, yeah, hundreds yeah. of hair, uh, up here, but I am a, at least balding man. And I think someone said that I'm bald would be, well, yeah. I mean, if you have
1: to go bald or not bald, right. I think most people would say that you're bald. Yeah.
0: It's okay. Uh, I know. I still value you. Yeah. Yeah. I... <laughs> we were talking <laughs> Wednesday night, oh, whether we would have hair in the resurrection. Yeah. yeah but so we'll see. we'll see. All right. Um, I would say yes. You think so? Uh, I mean, would, Paul, I Paul, guess the question is: Would people who have gone bald have a full head of hair? Just to, I think that everyone interpreted my statement like that. Yeah, but just to I, be precise. I would say
1: probably because the natural state and Paul talking about you know women's hair being a source of glory. Uh, it seems like having. A full head of hair is the natural, more ideal mm-hmm. human state.
0: Yeah. I'm just looking at my verse coming up that I had written down. I'm not sure that's the right verse. Did I, is it 1 Peter? Uh, 3, chapter 3. Oh, okay. Thank you. Sorry. Yes it's much better all right so on to our next scripture uh, that is commonly uh, cited we have read it before but because it's cited against this um but do not let this this is second peter chapter three verses eight through nine not chapter two but do not let this one fact escape your notice beloved that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. So basically, this is giving you the formula to fin- figure out when Jesus comes back. Mm-hmm. You know the Harold Camping guy.
1: I've heard of him. But, but
0: anyways, we digress. The Lord, or, is not... <laughs> or
1: or perhaps it's actually indicating that the number one thousand can be used metaphorically. I've, and not with precision, like we would say today.
0: May, maybe, yeah. Love you less. <laughs> um, or maybe he's saying that since God's uh, temporal, that...
1: Time is somewhat malleable to
0: him. Right. Or meaningless. Mm-hmm. Sort of. I'm going to go with option B. Uh, option C, I mean. Uh, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward... All you oh. not wishing for any to perish but for all to come to repentance if i were to expand this and read verse 10 i think he says you right after that again in context if my memory serves me right um uh, i think verse 11 yeah yeah anyways yeah. we we've dealt with this a lot the letters addressed to believers Yep. Um, so, even at the start yeah. of chapter three, this is now beloved. The second letter I'm writing Do you want to read the opening. Is that what you were turning to? Well,
1: yeah. I mean, so you start in second Peter chapter one and it's to those who obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. So to believers, you start in the start of chapter three, this is now the second letter I'm writing to you, beloved. Mm-hmm. And then in the intro to the passage that we're looking at the start of that paragraph, do not overlook this one fact. Beloved, and then he's patient toward you. Mm -hmm. So we've had several indications of a narrowed context, Mm -hmm. and it is an unlimited individual you, or individual all, within the limited confines of the yous that have already gone. So So
0: every single one of the beloved, he's patient towards. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and again... If you And he doesn't wish that any of the beloved would perish. Right. Yeah. And so, again, I think this is the same thing. When you start, if you don't read it that way, you start tweaking it other ways. Then one, you have people either thwarting God's will um, or two, you have um, God uh, basically saving every single person. And then you run afoul of a right. lot of other scriptures. Right. 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 All right, uh, let me see my notes, if I had anything else on that. I can't wait for the next one. No. All right, so the next one I have is uh, 1 Timothy 2. Oh, um, well, that's not the one I'm... 1 through 8. Which one were you thinking? We'll get there. Okay. Because this is the last subject... Oh, oh, no. No, no, no. it's not. Oh, no, it's not the last <laughs> one. I didn't have the last one in my notes because I listened to it late. Oh, okay. Yeah, thank you for reminding me. It's, it's, I have it pulled up in one of my Internet Explorer tabs. Um. Why um, don't you, oh, you, not you know, Internet Explorer. Google Chrome.
1: Google Chrome. Come on, man.
0: Web browser. I, I said Internet Explorer as a token for web browser. That's still bad. I know it's wrong. All right. uh, Chrome. Uh, I'm a user of Chrome. All right. So First Timothy two one through eight. First of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity this is good and acceptable in the sight of god our savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth for there is one god and one mediator also between god and men the man christ jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all the testimony given at the proper time For this i was appointed a preacher and an apostle i'm telling the truth i am not lying as a teacher of the gentiles in faith and truth therefore i want men in every place to lift to pray lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension all right so again uh some of the common things we have here is if you interpret this as god Desires or wills and this is in a in a way that he wills so what we talked about is kind of two different wills of God, his uh decretive will and his will of desire, his will of decree, will of desire. Um and his will of desire is is more like first Thessalonians four three, like where he wills or desires that um everyone be sexually pure that's his moral will and then there's his decretive will where he is going to decree something to happen um and importantly
1: we aren't privy to his decretive of will
0: right yeah well we are only after it's happened okay yeah yeah so what we can look back in history and go okay that's what god decreed um but we don't know it in future unless he reveals it in prophecy or something but. Mm-hmm. All right, but the the context here is that um he wants prayer for for on on all men. And they list some of those types of men. Right. For kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil life. So I think it's clear um at least it's a 50 50 on this one i mean i think it's at least you could go uh i could see it either way it's clear that he's either talking about every single man or all types of men I'm,
1: well i don't uh, yeah. because if you look at at least in the what read verse 2 in the nasby
0: for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all good godliness and dignity All right. I think if
1: you press this too much into a universal all, it becomes a little absurd. So Paul is writing to Timothy, who I believe is in Ephesus, right?
0: Timothy is in Ephesus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: All who are in high positions. Does that mean that they should be praying for court officials in India and China?
0: probably does, not. Does
1: that mean that they should be praying for all of the governors and prefects throughout the entire Roman Empire? I don't think so. I think for the church in Ephesus, they should be praying for those types of people in their sphere and and kind of up the chain to right. the emperor, right? I think for us that would mean that we we you know, we're in Charleston, South Carolina, so I think that that means that we should be praying for our city government here. And and I'm not saying that we therefore should not pray for the city government of Columbia or for Atlanta or something. Certainly, I know Los Angeles. Well, because they need our prayer. In in order to maybe avert an, an objection that I see, I think it's perfectly fine for us to pray for. The lawmakers in Virginia and New York that are doing heinous things with abortion laws. But I don't think it, that, Paul is not saying that we're obligated to be praying for all city, state, and federal right. people in authority. I mean, because it, it's, it's absurdly impractical now. And, and I think it would have been then. So Right. The, unless the you just the, say all,
0: something like, all of those government people out there god be with them but right
1: and i don't think that's what paul is saying either. i think i think he would tell us to pray specifically for those people and so um i I think that it's very clear that the all here is all kinds Mm -hmm. it's um pray for anyone and everyone that you want to especially those who are in Mm high positions and obviously that's limited because of human finiteness to, you know, pray for the people around you, pray for the governors around you, pray for the emperor that affects you. Um, and if you hear about, you know, you've got a sister city church that is having issues, you know, mm-hmm. maybe pray for theirs too, but it, you, just, you can't do it for everyone, everyone, everyone. Right. right. So, so there's just a natural limitation to this all.
0: So, but you've been you've been I just want to make this connection. So, you've been talking a lot about the all men in verse one. I but, think it's, the, but not necessarily. So, you think the all men in verse one is directly connected to the all men uh, that comes down lower? And our pastor just walked in. That's why we're looking yeah. over. <laughs> um, well, I think if you
1: look at one and two, um, because the all in authority. And two has to be limited, then I think you see verse two as categories of people, which then reflects back on the all in verse one. And, and that so he's I, I also don't think Paul is saying that Timothy's church in Ephesus is required to be praying for literally every specific individual. Mm-hmm. I think he's say, you know, he would say that the interpretation of this is don't limit your prayer only to, to say, I'm not going to pray for this person for some reason because they're poor or because they're a Gentile or because they're a barbarian or, or a lawyer you know, or a ruler right. or a doctor or, or, or it's the emperor, you know, right. I mean, he, he's persecuting us. Well, pray for him. You mm-hmm. know I mean? So I, I think when you rightly understand it, it's not an individualistic, all, where i mean i've heard um james white kind of caricatures this and i don't know if it's quite fair maybe it is but you don't pull out the ephesus phone book and just go down praying Mm -hmm. for every name that's in there and
0: of course there's not a phone book in ephesus then but you you get the point right and and i guess i was saying the 50 50 it's probably i wouldn't say 50 50 it's probably too generous i would say this is probably less strong for us than the previous one that we're dealing with in in peter not that i not that i disagree with with the interpretation i'm just saying because there is an all men in one that's clearly limited by two but then we i i I think it's fine to say okay there's the all men in one and now in four he says we desire all men to be saved i think it's clear he's using these same words over that though that he's using them in the same way
1: Yeah, I agree. So Um, I would say none of these alls are universally individualistic. I would say that all of the alls here are talking about groups and categories. And it really becomes an issue with the last one about Christ being a ransom for all. mm -hmm. Because that ransom is tied to the mediatorial work in the previous verse. And if Christ is your mediator, you're saved.
0: Right. Period. He did, he's not a, he, he's he's not not like a failed a, mediator. Right.
1: If he pleads his blood in your behalf before the Father and you don't go to heaven, then the whole system shuts down. Right. So he cannot be a ransom for all men individually, according to this verse, or else universalism.
0: Right. Right.
1: And so that's why I would argue all of them—I think there's five, four or five— are types of men categories of people yep. not not universal individual application
0: yep i agree um anything else to say on this one i don't think so okay so i think this is our last objection i came across this one so what i do is i i think you probably do something similar Like even like I'm prepping today some for our next one for Perseverance of the Saints. But uh, so I'll go to YouTube and I'll just type in refuting whatever. Because that's probably the easiest way or, or, you know.
1: There are lots of refuting Calvinism videos. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, So I typed in refuting uh, irresistible grace. And I'll put the link in if you want me to. Uh, This guy. he successfully squeezed. Yeah. He
1: squeezed two minutes of, audio of content. Into yeah. About 12. Ten, yeah. 10, 10 or, 12. or 12
0: minutes of, of video. It, it, and I'm not trying to take anything away from him or cast dispersion on him. He's just very repetitive, which someone may say about us, too. I don't, I don't know. But, uh, anyways, his, his point was he turned to, uh, Romans 13 and, um, I'll just read verses one and two. Every person is in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. So his point was finished. You want me, and verse two, they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. And in the KJV, which he read, it's right. damnation. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah, I was going to make the point. so he's reading from KJV. I just read from NASB. so in the KJV I'll read those again. it says, "Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers." so it was authority in NASB. Mm-hmm. for there is no power but of God the powers that are ordained, the powers that be are ordained of God. whosoever therefore resist resisteth the power resisteth." The ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. All right, so it's clear from the translation of the NASB that what's being talked about are our government powers, government government authorities. I think it's clear from the KJV that's what's being talked about, too. Yeah, because if you go on in the KJV... It talks about bearing the sword. Right. um, And if you do good, you don't have any reason to fear. If you do bad, you don't have any reason. And the doctrine of irresistible grace, as we said in the first episode on the subject, you know, three episodes ago or two episodes ago, it's not that no one ever resists. Clearly, if you go to our podcast on total depravity clearly people are resisting no one's seeking God no one's you know it's it's that once God has his sights on you he will make himself known to you and then you will not resist because you will you will come to him but no right. one
1: irresistible grace is only within the context of saving grace right, right it's not a universal no one ever resists God because I heard Stephen Anderson cite acts 7. Where Stephen says, you stiff people who always resist the Holy Spirit. And he's like, see, there's resistible grace. And I'm right. like, that, that's not what we're saying.
0: Yeah. And so because you can find someone resisting something in the Bible, doesn't mean now you've refuted irresistible grace. Correct. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, cause I was listening to Anderson on perseverance of the saints. And I think a better maybe Slanderson is still applicable, but I think even a better term for him would be straw Manderson <laughs> because I, I've not he- heard him represent anything close. Like there's like, even this guy that we're talking about now in this video, at least he's close to on target trying to represent our side. Um, I, I haven't heard, like I don't, he, he goes to Matthew 24 and 25 for perseverance of the saints, talking about the end times and the elect. You know, having to have cut the days short. I'm like, I've never heard anyone use that text to talk about perseverance of the saints.
1: But I could. I mean, if you want to, it says that God specifically does something so that the elect won't perish. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but
0: I, but that's not where we're not building our case. Right? Yeah. It's not my go-to.
1: But even then, it's like I don't think it's saying what you. Yeah. You keep
0: using that word, but right. I do not think it means what you think right. it means so um yeah so there are people who resist authorities there are people who resist god that there are criminals yeah that doesn't show that the doctrine of irresistible grace is false so
1: yeah it's i mean it's just it's a different category that's not related right so all right anything else to say on irresistible grace (sighs) um
0: any other objections that you're aware of?
1: No, I will say I do get a little bit tired of the joking objections of, I guess I wasn't ordained to be a Calvinist, and
0: from um, flowers
1: and others. I mean, yeah. yes, I've heard him say it. Um, I am. I would not want to be as flippant with trying to refute their side as I have heard many Armenians be with trying to just dismiss Calvinism out of hand
0: yeah and then the the other thing is like I was listening to William Lane Craig on the way here again in prep for our next series and he just puts every single Calvinist into this completely hyper-Calvinistic completely um, determine no like wooing no drawing no like everything god just goes bam that's how it's going to be and we're just like automatons that don't like we still respond in the calvinistic system we still have a response of you know trust and repentance uh, that's what we're called to do and, and we still do that out of our wills that have now and God's decree and God's decree. Right. So it's a, it's a, as far as action, it's synergistic and as far as the ability to do that action, where that ability comes from, it's monergistic. So,
1: right. Well, I will say, I think it's no longer in the current version, but in the previous version of the intro to James White's, um, radio free Geneva. Yeah. he, I don't know who makes... There's a guy who does the um, uh, Mighty Fortress Mm -hmm. in kind of like a hard rock or metal version or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think he gets these quotes and inserts them. But there's a quote of William Lane Craig saying, um, I don't understand the difference between Calvinism and hyper-Calvinism. I think Calvin was a hyper-Calvinist. And then there's kind of a comment that you can't really hear. And he responds and says, yeah, yeah. I mean... There, there's no real difference. I think Calvinism is hyper, you know, and and so he he at least it, what you're reporting is very consistent with, with what I've heard, yeah. which is he he takes one idea and kind of stretches it out absurdly in mm-hmm. a way that Calvinists don't, and then right. all of a sudden, it, you know, he's he's got a doctrine that he's attacking that does not in any way resemble right
0: what we actually believe. Right. Yeah. And and he accrues to himself. Now, I know that not all Calvinists would make use of middle knowledge, but some Calvinists do, uh, yours truly, and not to name drop Greg Kokel, um, but we don't do it in a limiting way that he and um, Molina or Molinae or whoever Molinism is named after that guy. Um, but anytime like, he sees middle knowledge in use, he goes, see, this is the Molinist system. This isn't the Calvinist system. I'm like, no, so I, I got frustrated with him on the way in, and I, and I have great respect for William Lane Craig in his philosophical stuff. Not that I agree with everything he does, because uh, he's more of a Kantian than a uh, Thomist, and I'm a, I'm a Thomist. Thank you, uh, Doctor Bridges. But all right, anything else?
1: I think we're finally done with this dead horse.
0: All right. (laughs) Uh, Well, this has been Mike and Mike Theology Plus. We'd like you to think well, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology.